is Australia. This fucking language. Let there be a thousand blossoms bloom as far as I'm concerned. But I ain't spending any time on it. Give him a valium. Don't stop wearing the Speedos. You're listening to Decode, the Batuta Advocates podcast series for those Australians who have tuned out or never tuned in to the dark arts of federal politics. It's called being, you wouldn't believe it, a goddamn bloody adult. Hello and welcome back to Decode, the Batuta Advocates political podcast. We are live in the Desert Rock FM studios. My name is Wendell Hussey. I've got Dior Dave with me once again. Dave, how are you? Feeling very good. Excited for today. It's a big yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is a big one. It's our second state politician in as many months and our second state politician from outside the great state of Queensland. We've uh, we ventured back down into the world of politics down in Sydney, which famously here in Batuta, we dub Australia's shitter city. The man we're talking to today may have something to say about that. Yeah. He's very parochial. We've got the uh, the number one ticket holder at the Sydney Kings, Mr. Dominic Perrottet, who also is the Premier of New South Wales. Mr. Perrottet, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Wendell. Thanks, Dave. Great to be here. Now, one of the reasons we say Sydney is the shitter city in mm. Australia and one of the reasons we don't particularly like it is... Issues with nightlife, right? And it it's, can appear to outsiders when you go down there that it is one big giant pokey den. The pubs, the clubs, they're filled with pokies. That's something which uh, you've been pushing to change. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think there's, there's more pokey machines in New South Wales, right, than anywhere outside of Nevada. Uh, but, you know, you're right. We've got to like, we, I want Sydney to be a 24-hour city and we've got to get, uh, you know, this kind of, closed-minded mentality mm. and nanny state nimbyism away and you know we had a story the other day just on that on that point when like we had there was a, there was a story in the paper about a pub mm. it was one of australia's oldest pubs been there forever yet all the people around it were complaining and wanted it closed it's like the pub beat you here yeah, yeah you could not have been here before yeah. i always find that uh, interesting on the community facebook pages you always said people who've moved near a pub complaining about noise from the pub yeah it's not right. how it works. But, uh, yeah, I guess, so you're trying to make it a city that is 24-hour nightlife outside of the VIP rooms because they seem to be rolling all through the night. You can have fun. You can have a cigarette. You can do whatever you want. Lots of free Mentos, free lamingtons, yeah, as right. long as you're willing to lose your paycheck. Yeah, but, I mean, this is what we've, like, what part of the changes I'm, I'm making is to give pubs and clubs finances that they can invest in, you know, live music and entertainment and better food. Mm. You know, get a Komodo barbecue in there. Um, get the Traegers going. Like, let's let's really enhance the pubs and clubs across our state, and at the same time, try and fix the issues of money laundering and problem gambling, which is a you know, it's it's a bloody big problem in our state. Mm, yeah, mm. let's have some live music uh, rather than just the bells going off. Certainly, <laughs> sounds more enjoyable and and much more social. Yeah, there's obviously you know been a bit of pushback from it just outside of you know yeah. some of the people that might be regulars in the VIP rooms. But do you think it might have been a bit of a coincidence that the same day you announced that you'd be taking on the pokies and the big gambling companies that some of your deepest darkest secrets came out? <laughs> I don't know where that I don't know where that stuff came from, um, but. Uh, look, change is hard and there are always going to be people who have different perspectives and views on it. But, you know, I don't think what I'm proposing here is incredibly radical, right? Like, mm-hmm. we're, there, there aren't many areas of society left, which is like cash. And 
to sit there and say by 2028 in a reasonable time frame we'll get to a point where we don't have cash in pokies and people have to right across the state and people have to make sure they set their own limits apparently that's uh, radical and needs to be stopped i mean uh, I don't think it is. I know, I know change is hard for a lot of people, but they'll get mm. over it and um, we'll, we'll ensure we do it in a way that protects jobs. Yeah, it, is, it, it does is. seem uh, like the pokies room is the last bastion of some of the things of the old world. I think it's the only place in Australia that you can smoke cigarettes mm. indoors these days. Is yeah. In pokies uh, rooms. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, look, this is the thing. Like, just been, Society seems to have moved on mm. in so many areas, but not with pokies. So, and the resistance to change, and I think the reason we, we know that is that uh, you, you look at the losses, I mean, sending out the losses today per week, millions of dollars per week. And some, and the, the worst thing about it, right, is that the biggest losses are in those areas where you have lower socioeconomic areas of the state. Mm. Like, it's the, our most vulnerable people in society who are losing so much. I think we have a pretty big obligation to do something about it. Oh, look, I don't know. It's one of my favourite experiences in the world. Uh, 8.30 on a Monday morning, walking to work, just getting a waft of um, <laughs> cigarette smoke coming through the ventilation from an outdoor VIP area and hearing the the feature bells go off at 8.30 on a Monday morning. How terrible is it? It is. Like, I, no. I, I remember doing a, a tour a couple of years ago of a club at 9am and you walked into the pokey section and the, uh, that was an outside section. They had obviously outside and, and you're right. The, the waft of cigarettes, but there are people at 9 a.m. in the morning mm. just plugging away. Doesn't sound very recreational to me. And no, you mentioned that a lot of people were trying to pretend that this is radical. It's radical that, yeah, maybe we don't have problem gamblers playing the pokies around the clock and feeding kids party pies uh, or baked beans because the paycheck's gone and you can't afford to put vegetables on the table. Why, why is this being pushed as such a radical change? Why has there been so much pushback? Well, I think... Obviously, people are concerned about the money that's made through pokies. I mean, I was treasurer of the estate for five years and, you know, we get two billion bucks a year mm. in gaming taxes. So we're in a pretty difficult budget position right now. Um, so it's difficult for us to, like, to make the change, but your budget's there to help other people. And I think, you know, going down this path, it's a challenge. And for a lot of pubs and clubs, that, that for them, I can see that they would see this to be a difficult path. But... It'll be a journey. And my commitment to these guys has, has been that just like I was as treasurer during the pandemic, you know, there was pretty difficult times there. I worked incredibly closely with them. So we protected jobs. We waived a lot of taxes for them to help them through. You know, I know it's difficult when you go down a new path, but I think I'm very confident working with them. We'll protect all the jobs. We'll keep them open. We'll get out the other side and everyone will just go, huh, yeah. it's, it's not bad. It's actually, it's actually better. And if we can actually, as you said, when on your first question, if we can actually get pubs as well, investing a lot more in entertainment and mm. nightlife, mm. how much better is that going to be? Yeah, it's it's a idea of maybe coming up with a business model that doesn't involve people putting their paychecks through uh, the poker machines. And, I mean, you go around the world, you go to other places in the world, nobody seems to be playing poker machines around the clock. You you know, there are casinos in every in every town and city uh, well, that you people stop into, well, but there are, there are nightlife venues and there are venues where people can go out and have fun and it doesn't revolve around... Well, take out casinos, right? Mm. If you take out casinos, 40% of the world's pokey machines are in New South Wales. Is that normal? 
I would argue it's not normal. Uh, there's a lot of plug machines up in Queensland as well, I would yeah. say. Uh, but yeah, I, think I, would argue... I think they're putting more out. Mm. Up in mm. Queensland, yeah, they are. So and at least we're like, so so you know, this is a long journey for us. But we part of the announcement I made the other day was that we would, in five years, reduce like do a buyback scheme of around two thousand. And will but, those be set up in Parliament House, or where are you going to put those? Just in my office, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a bit of entertainment, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Similar to buyback. Are you expecting <laughs> people to be burying poker machines um, <laughs> underground just for you know, just in case a rainy day comes along the apocalypse? We'll try, we'll try, <laughs> we'll try and stop there being a black market, <laughs> but yeah. um, but you know, I think I think this will make seriously, guys. I think this will make a real difference, and um, you know, it becomes a vicious cycle, right? You talk about you know state revenues and things like that. Well. If people are throwing their life savings down these bloody machines, families are getting broken up as a result. And I think, I actually think as well, you know, when Julia Gillard made some changes or tried to make some changes years ago, I think the world's changed a lot. You know, yeah. Back, mm-hmm. you, you think about the last 10 years in terms of the movement into technology and cashless society. Well, go five more and we'll be, you know, th- we, we're going to be in a much. A, a different place but you know the example I, I raised when I was finance minister I, we, I announced that we would set up a digital driver's license here and I did talk about radio and they went into meltdown like the calls were ringing up and they were saying you know what are you what are you going to do what are you going to do if, you, if your phone goes dead I was like I, I don't know like what are you going to do if you lose your wallet today yeah like, yeah. like you're having this you're in uh, politics I think you're having this war on the visible on what's in front of you. And once it's rolled out, I think we've got 80% of people have on their service New South Wales app have a digital driver's license. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah the world didn't end. No, yeah. It's all okay. It's a bit like about nightlife. Like I remember during the pandemic, the kind of, you know, you look at the whales of mentality where you, know, you, can't, um, you can't go outside your cafe and restaurant and have a wine outside. Whereas you go around the world, this is like common practice, right? Mm-hmm. During the pandemic, to help businesses, we were just cutting regulations. And some of the, some of the things that we were cutting away, you know, I, I was thinking, why is this in place uh, at all anyway? Uh, but when we did it, guess what? There was still outrage on Talkback Radio? Nope. Oh, wow. Because everyone, it, it was COVID. It was COVID. Yeah. It was yeah. COVID. People were focused on health. And my role as treasurer was to get all our businesses through it. But everything got better. Like, take the rocks, for example. You've now got fresco dining outside. No one's been calling for it to come back. Once you actually get to that point and it's, and it's mm. in, then everyone just moves on. There is something beautiful about having a schooner out on the street and enjoying it there. Media now, in this day and age, it's, it's easy to drive up outrage. And we saw the plastic bag bans that were going to end the world. We use plastics, yeah. we're going to end the world as well. Obviously, this has been the case with poker machines. There's a lot of money behind it. And a big push, obviously, to ensure that they stay in pubs and clubs in New South Wales. Are you expecting more of a vicious campaign over the next couple of months. Obviously, we, we spoke about the uh, emergence of a certain scandal right on cue when you were announcing that you were pushing on with poker machine reform. Are you? Expecting- I think you guys had written an article beforehand that apparently you couldn't find anything, but... Uh- <laughs> I think, yeah, we did. We wrote a couple of articles afterwards as well. Uh, we we <laughs> I wrote saw a them. few. I saw yeah. them. I've been copying crap from you for a few yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Von Trapps. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, certainly made for an interesting time. And we do want to talk about that a little bit later. Yeah, but but oh, are oh, you expecting, is there more stuff? Are you expecting uh, there to be a dirt file on the Labor Party if they come to the party on gambling reform? Oh, I don't think so. I mean, as part of this, I've consulted widely. 
Right? Yeah. I've I've met with um, the industry as late as Saturday. I've taken them through it. I've I've met with harm minimisation groups. I've met with banks. Like we've we brought this together in a way that I think is fair and reasonable. I said like if people are saying you're going too fast or you're going too slow and you're in the middle, I think that's the sensible centre. That's where you want to be on this. I I think the average person um, mm. across our state would sit there and think this is the right reform. It's the right thing to do. I think everybody knows of someone who's gone through challenges in this space. You have, I'm doing this um, not out of the blue. I'm doing this on the back of a crime commission report. Yeah. A crime commission report that said, number one recommendation, we should go to cashless gaming. You know, I was out with the police commissioner today, backing it in. So I think in terms of the foundations for change, it's there. Um, and I think the timeline that I've set up and the commitment that I've given to pubs and clubs to work with them um, on this journey that my expectation is they'll work with me now. Ultimately, as you go into an election campaign, uh, people will, uh, you know, people with different views will, will, will campaign against you. Well, I'll, I'll have the unions campaigning against me. You know, that's that's just part and parcel of life. My, my kind of job is to be very clear about what we've achieved as a, as a mm. government and as a state, and where I'm taking the state going forward. And then ultimately, in forty odd days' time, it's a matter for the public to make their decision. And I'm incredibly relaxed about that. Mm. And you've been quoted this week saying that, you know, your faith might have played a little bit of yeah. a role in this decision. But as you've kind of said here, it does seem like a common sense decision. How can you kind of get that perception across that these are common sense decisions when there is that influence of faith in you, when also everyone in their upbringing, whether it be religious mm. or not, also has their own perceptions and yeah. influences that, in, that you know, drive their decisions? Yeah, I think that what I was saying there was, you know, when those comments were made, last week about did you make this you know you made don made this decision because of his catholic god i was like well that's just a ridiculous thing to say right but i guess on on reflection over the last week who we are as a person is shaped by our experiences in life right so you know getting married having children changes the out your outlook on life and your priorities on life the way you see the world changes as you navigate through life uh, you make mistakes you learn from them you know, I worked as a lawyer. That changes your perspective on a whole on a whole range of things as well. So we are a kind of a product of where we've come from. So th- there's no doubt, you know, ha- having faith and 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 being you know raised uh, in the Catholic faith, you know, that's given me a sense of social justice. But I don't want people to sit there and think that if you like, that's not that's not saying if you don't have Catholic, you don't have social justice. Absolutely, I think every fair-minded person across this state would sit there and think we've got a bloody problem here that needs to be fixed. But it was more just a, a, you know, a, a sense of reflection following those comments. Uh, the other point I made was that if you, can't, if you made those comments about other, other faiths, you'd be in a lot of trouble, right? You know, I certainly wasn't offended by the comments that, that were made, but I'm in politics, I don't get offended by much at all. You mm. get pretty desensitized, but you've got to always make sure, you know, there are people who do get offended, you've got to be careful of that. But I guess the point is, just you can't really say anyone. You know, we're all we're all shaped. We're all shaped by our upbringing, our life experiences, the things that we do, uh, and the mistakes that we make, and the good things that we do as well. And you change your perspectives over time as well. So that, that's a good thing. And I think that's something that we shouldn't be ashamed of. We should just kind of say, well, yeah, clearly, I'm a person that's been shaped by the experiences of the past. Mm-hmm. Nobody grows up in a vacuum. No, not yeah, at all. Right. And I guess, um, you know, while we're in the world of religion and faith, obviously the other week or last week now, I think we had the funeral for George Pell. 
very polarizing one that one can you talk us through the decision process you went through to not attend that and um did you speak to Peter Dutton about his decision and what was the chat there between you two? No, look, I mean, the point I've made, so I, I was unable to attend that, um, the, the funeral and sent, um, uh, I, was, I was represented there by uh, Damien Judd, who's a finance minister in New South Wales. Um, I had two major pre-commitments that day that I, that I had in place. I, I guess the, 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 the issue here is that we need to be, you know, I, 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 I don't like the divisive nature of this. We've got to bring people together there's a whole lot of you know there, there are people who um, obviously people have different views on and um and and i think in terms of the you know as a catholic i think you know certainly mistakes have been made in the past in relation to the way the catholic church has dealt with matters of child sex abuse it's not just a matter for the catholic church it's a matter for all organizations we've all faced that even in government government institutions that's something that as a state you know in those institutions we should be absolutely ashamed of um mm. And the good that's come out of that is, I think, you know, we're we're doing a lot better in that space. Um, having said that, you know, um, as a Catholic, George Pell was the most senior um, cardinal and most senior Catholic in, in Australia, uh, and he did many, many good things, many good things. Um, but did the bad things that he did by far outweigh any good things that he did? I mean, we look. He was the centre of a royal commission uh, into child sexual abuse. He was on trial. He was acquitted, but I don't think the way the legal system works and the, the wealth and the power of the Catholic Church that he had behind him necessarily means he's innocent. It means that he wasn't found guilty in the eyes of the law. We had a lot of evidence, a lot of anecdotes from people, a lot of anecdotal evidence. In that sense, what he was accused of and what was brought up was so horrific and so awful and so uh, symptomatic of what we saw as a result of the Royal Commission. Does it matter that he did good things in his life or are his horrific things so horrific that you just cannot be seen to mourn a guy or pay your respects well, to a guy well, like he, that? Well, you know, let's, you know, he was not found guilty, okay? Now, um, we, you know... You, you, it's not for us to judge that he was he was he was not found he was not found guilty um, of the alleged crimes that were made and in those circumstances um, I don't think that's right for us to judge um, in relation to other matters um, in respect of um, the pain and suffering that many people um, have endured from um, uh, the way that well, firstly, from child sex abuse, which I think is, um, you know, in terms of crimes, must be the, the most horrific and horrendous crime. Um, and the way that that had been dealt with um, in the church and in other churches and in other institutions was absolutely terrible. But ultimately, um, you know, I, I think uh, he did do good. Um, uh, and there were obviously other areas uh, where... There were many mistakes made um, that have affected people's lives, and that's something that's incredibly difficult. Uh, but ultimately, that's not for me to judge. That's not for me to judge. And and you know, I see, you know, everyone has their, their different views on you know and um, on these things. But from from my perspective as well, I, I in in the kind of environment that I've grown up as a Catholic has been very much focused on a strong social justice ethos, right? And I see the good that the church does. You see it in, in many Christian churches. You see it on display, you know, in Martin Place every evening when people, they're out there, um, you know, feeding uh, those who are less fortunate and homeless, uh, bringing them into shelters. 
um, that's the church I love. Um, that's the church uh, that George Pell also presided over. Um, but ultimately, you know, I think we've got to take a step back and it, it, it's not really our role to make those judgments. Um, it, it's, it's our role to make sure when mistakes are made, uh, when crimes occur, um, that they are called out and justice is done. But ultimately, you know, people have their views on that court case. He, he, was, he was proven to not be guilty. And um, and, uh, and and we, you know you can take you, you can have your views in relation mm. to the outcome, but that's that's the legal system, and, and he was he was acquitted at the, in the highest court in the land. Yeah, I, I guess I'd take and it back did, to this. And Wendell, and Wendell, if he didn't if he didn't commit those crimes, if he didn't commit those crimes, then he was falsely imprisoned. Yeah, I guess it would take it back to the start of the show when we we're talking about common sense approaches to regulating poker machines, and I think. You know, there's a common sense approach to look at the testimonies of people and the anecdotal yeah. evidence we heard in regards to Pell's behaviour and in regards to what we saw uh, as a result of the uh, royal commission. And I'd say as well, I mean, just when, when you hear, you know, going going through that in the past, right? Like the the fact that, um, and it was kind of, it seems to have been an era, right, across across the world when there were these horrendous crimes committed in institutions that they seemed to be covered up you know you know that that i mean you can't fathom that today now that's a that's a good thing yeah that's a good that that's a good thing but having said that you know we still have this scourge of child sex abuse happening across our state i met two strong wonderful young girls um last week who were sexually abused as children, um, had to go through the legal system, had an absolutely horrific experience. Um, and they campaigned uh, to change the system. And these strong girls ran, spoke of their experience. And, ran, and we just made this announcement to now roll that out statewide so no young kids ever have to go through that experience again. Uh, but what it's a clear reminder to us all is this is still occurring today and there is it's incredibly difficult as well to get convictions because these are very young kids and uh, the change we made in New South Wales I think will make a real difference and in addition to that when I was down at National Cabinet last week I spoke to all the premiers and chief ministers and said well I'm going to give you the information about what we did so hopefully we can have this change rolled out across New South Wales. You just mentioned National Cabinet there, something we did want to talk about as being the only Liberal leader I believe in the room. Oh, Tazzy's there. Well, oh, t- yeah, Tazzy. Yeah, that, yeah, so so the only, is that like the only liberal... Is that not <laughs> yeah. uh, look, it's how does that go? Yeah, good, good. Yep. Um, I, you know, I've I've had a I've always had a pretty good relationship with um, my counterparts as treasurer and, and and as premier, and always found if you work together, I mean, no one really cares what political party you're in. Um, you know, it doesn't really matter what what their views are. And I've worked particularly well with Dan Andrews over mm. the, over the time, and when we and we're opening up the state. You know, we work together on on the settings and the measures. Uh, we work together on a whole range of reforms, like uh, urgent care clinics. That didn't go down so well when I went down to Victoria to announce that with him, given it was pretty close to the election campaign. So I don't think uh, the the leader of the opposition down there was was too pleased um, with that. But also on pre you know pre K education. So we we work we work very closely together. It's not really about mm. political lines, and you just kind of 
get on with each other. And it seems like there's a bit of good chat there as well, a bit of banter. You were sledging uh, Malinowskis, the noted good-looking rooster from down there in Adelaide, about uh, them trying to pinch the Sydney test. Mm. Well, he should be careful. I mean, what they haven't worked out is that I've put Mike Baird, the former New South Wales Premier, as the head of Cricket Australia. So any talk of them taking the Sydney (laughs) test... As I said, you know, the wa- a washed out. They better a be careful. A washed out Sydney mm-hmm. test is much better than a than a test in Adelaide because at the end of the day, you would have had to spend the week in Adelaide. Uh, you look. Uh, who wants to do that? But uh, you might end the, up in a barrel underneath a bank vault somewhere. <laughs> well, um, I can never run for federal parliament. I've worked out because by the time I've, 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 I've finished my state career, I think I've attacked too many states that mm. uh, makes it pretty difficult. They better be careful. Mike Baird might come and shut down their city if they uh, muck around they, with him but, too but, hard. But are they? <laughs> Well, there's not much to shut down, is there? I mean, do do their shops still open on Sundays or? Uh, Not too much. I think it's pretty quiet down there. Rundle Mall. um, They've got that tourist attraction, Balls Balls. Yeah, the Balls Balls. Balls. They've got a big pigeon there as well. I mean, we've got a lot of the small ones. That's that's a massive tourist attraction for people from South Australia. I mean, Mm. that's what they talk about, right? Harbour Bridge, Opera House, the Malls Balls. I mean, it's the top three in Australia, right? Yeah. It's actually our closest uh, capital city, so we're quite fond of Adelaide as much as we're we're hanging shit on them. I I wanted to ask, with National Cabinet, there's been a change in the federal prime ministership. How's it been working with Anthony Albanese as opposed to Scott Morrison, who did seem to be politicising National Cabinet when it suited him for his own gain? Look, I I, I do that both. Um, I I worked with Scott uh, when he was treasurer because we were both treasurers at the same time as well. Um, and we always had a pretty good relationship. And during during Omicron, like during, not Omicron, during during the pandemic, you know, it was tough. Yeah. And we had different views on things. And my job was to stand up for New South Wales and get the best deal. So it wasn't about, you know, simply because I'm a liberal and he was a liberal that you just fall into line. I'm I'm there to represent the people of our state. And when Omicron was happening, my job was to get the best deal as well. Um, and during Delta, so you know, I put a program together. They obviously didn't agree with it, uh, but ultimately, it wasn't about the politics for me. You're in a pandemic. It was about getting getting the outcome. So you know, I think it's pretty well known that you know yeah, things got pretty testy there. Yeah. <laughs> but that's but I also said at the time, well, that was okay. Like I think people kind of thought, oh, well, that's inappropriate. I th- I don't know. I, I think p- uh, the public would expect their political leaders to kind of have a crack and be frank with each other and, and have a relationship um, like that. So, you know, that's that was fine. I mean, I, I, my job in tough times that they were was to get the best deal for our state. And that's all. I, I don't care who's in Canberra, whether it's a Liberal government or a Labor government. So I once wrote, and this was um, Josh, when Josh Frydenberg was, was the treasurer, and we're getting screwed on GST, right? Like we always do. And WA with their rivers of gold coming in, we're once again getting a getting a political. They've stopped talking about wax it. I've noticed. Yeah. Well, they were getting a political payoff, as I said. I used to call um, McGow and McGollum uh, with his little precious GST over there in WA, living in a cave. And we were we we were getting we were going to get ripped off by that deal. Now it started with Malcolm and Scott. They were like, no state's going to be worse off. No state's going to be worse off. And then Malcolm left, Scott became prime minister and Josh became treasurer. In fact, it was Josh Frydenberg's first treasurer's meeting. We were down in Melbourne. And I was like, well, if you, if you don't think we're going to be worse off, we are. But if you don't think so, enshrine it in law. 
And uh, they wouldn't do that. So hint, hint, mm. we're all going to be worse off, particularly Victoria and New South Wales. Anyway, I wrote to every Liberal senator from New South Wales and said, I want to remind you, you're in the Senate. Your loyalty is not to the Liberal Party. Your loyalty is to the people of our state. And you, in good conscience, cannot in any way back this proposal without getting this in law. And to their credit, Jim Molan, late, late, late Jim Molan, for example, he was actually really strong on this. And uh, we got the outcome. And now the Commonwealth government's worse off to the tune of billions of dollars because we were right and they were wrong. Albo, it's been good, you know, working on the floods together, the floods response. And you know, I spent over a month uh, over last year on the ground in regional New South Wales in affecting flood-affected communities. It, you know, that has been an experience and just seeing the devastation, mm. the amount of, you know, the people that lost their homes. And it's a real challenge coming coming back but i'll never forget the strength of like particularly the, uh, the northern rivers will always have a special place in my heart after still water. a lot of hearts out in lismore all through lismore the yeah. hearts are everywhere yeah. mm. but but albo was great just to be you know on that like in terms of getting those financial support packages out the way that they work very closely with us i couldn't have asked for more it was a really really uh constructive uh, time where state and federal governments are working together so it's been it's been a positive experience for me yeah i guess as we've been saying the whole time it kind of just comes back to this common sense approach of like you know party lines faith whatever it is there's there's a common sense angle to it but yeah. um you know just to touch on the controversy surrounding your 21st birthday yeah do you think more broadly that there might be an issue in i would say with your example the young liberals but it would seem to be a problem everywhere around young people where, you know, edginess and controversy for the sake of controversy is allowed to be left unchecked. You know, obviously young people are mm. firebrands and all that stuff. But, you know, it was your party. There would have been others that were aware of your costume leading up to it. Should someone have stopped you before it got to that point? Um, should it have been family, friends and older influence? And do you think that kind of stuff would still be left unchecked these days? Uh, look, that was, as I said, a, a huge mistake that I made when I was 21. But it um, obviously got, would have been a mistake for others not to... Yeah, but, you know, but no one. That. I mean, I, I, I still remember that I, 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 I got that outfit um, on the morning. Um, on the morning. And, um, you know, uh, it was a terrible mistake with a lack of understanding of the sensitivity that surrounds, surrounds it. And as you say, you know, there's always a sense of edginess. You grow up in an, in an era of, you know, faulty towers and... Um, against heroes that that would you know there's always a that that I, I guess it's important whatever your age is it doesn't matter how young and immature you are you still got to be sensitive towards what you're doing could impact on other people's feelings like I, that's an important part of life as a young person as an adult right and um i made that i made that mistake stupid thing to do and hopefully that mistake will lead other young people to not make similar stupid mistakes it is you know doesn't seem like i hope you're more prepared these days if you chose a theme for your party but only got the costume on the morning of you know yeah i yeah, think, yeah. I, I, think I, I recall having a pretty late night the night before and um and you know as i said it was a stupid thing to do and um but hopefully good can come of it mm. when you when you're in a position of leadership right um and you're in public life I think, if anything, people will have the opportunity to probably reflect on that as well and go, okay, well, make sure I don't do that. 
make sure or something or something similar and be and what's the real moral of the story is be just be conscious of and se- and more sensitive to other people's feelings in relation to your actions and if that can lead to to that happening and people reflecting on that well that's a positive thing that can come out of a bloody stupid thing i did at my 21st we mentioned before it came up at an interesting time just as you were announcing you were going after poker machine reform i imagine there will be quite a few people in the liberal party the nationals the labor party probably the greens as well who might be sweating on similar costumes to that i know labor was sitting on it and i think that i believe they were hoping to get it a bit closer to the election um then it came did, out do you? Yeah, I thought they wanted to get a little bit closer um, and you, you snuffed it out three months out or four months out from an election. Do you think there are a few more people sweating on photographs or outfits or anything like that? Have you got any, any whispers? I don't, I don't like this stuff in politics, right? Like, I, you know, I want the election to be based on policy. Mm. That's, what, that's what it should be about. You know, in some in some ways, I didn't enjoy the last federal election campaign. You know, it was, and it's where I think the Liberals made mistakes at the last federal campaign. By the way, they spoke about the past. There was no focus on the future. I, I want to be, I, I want to be very. My job as premier, uh, and and why you make sacrifices to to run for public life and, and politics, is to, to make uh, the case for change. And I, I my job, if I, if I can do one thing, I'm more concerned about this than winning. If I can, if I can have every person across our state know what a Perite government will do and what a Minns government will do, that is success because that's the battle of ideas. That's where people can actually make a choice, and then you completely respect that choice. So that's and all that other stuff just gets just gets in the way. Mm-hmm. It just gets in the way of why we're here and what we're doing. Um, so. I'm completely focused on getting getting there. And if we can do that, I, I think we can lead the way and probably set an example, set an example for other elections in other states and around the country say, well, that's how it's done. And if Chris and I can achieve that, what a great thing that would be. Make it properly about politics. We've almost forgotten to ask, what's the unemployment rate today? We haven't <laughs> bailed you up on... <laughs> the lowest, the lowest, the lowest in recorded history in New South Wales. There you go. That's a pretty pretty good answer. We are rolling into an election campaign, and we're curious about some of the strategies you might be employing over the next Tell couple us. of months. What have we got? Well, there's been a lot of talk of you know other liberal leaders. You are, of course, the only one on mainland Australia. I'm not sure if your Tasmanian counterpart will be able to take the boat or the ferry or however <laughs> they get across this island. But are you going to be rolling out Peter Dutton to spruik your claim for the seats around here? Look, I don't need an interstate wingman. Um, I or a chaperone. Do you want an interstate wingman? I don't need one. Or a chaperone. People like people know. You know, people make a decision to vote uh, for my government. I'm the premier, and I'm from New South Wales, uh, and I've had a lot to say about other states. Uh, so I'll stick to New South Wales. I'm passionate about this state, and people, I think, will judge me on their merits, uh, not because someone's coming down here or paddling a boat across uh, <laughs> getting the, on the spirit to, to of tasmania the, to, to the spirit of tasmania um to, to help me out so um no th- this election is about uh from from my perspective m- my team and uh, and i'll be out with my ministers uh, and members of parliament prosecuting the case 
for re-election of the government. Yeah. You are going up against uh, another noted hottie, actually, in Chris Mintz, um, firefighter. Uh, you know, I think... Wearer be of some a mullet. Yeah, there'd be people yeah. out there hoping for a, a firefighter's kind of calendar shoot with <laughs> him, maybe. How are you feeling going into the next, uh, next couple of months? 45 days, I believe. We were told just before, 45 days out from the election. How are you feeling? How are you looking? Good. Yeah. Um, good. Uh, you know, and you're right about Chris. I mean, he's got great hair. I mean, a great I've, rig too. I've, mm. I've just never seen better hair in my life. Mm. Especially uh, in politics. It's quite rare yeah. these days, I think, even to have a full head of hair, never mind one that So I think, I've got a, I think I've got a time advantage on him mm. in terms of how long he'd have to take getting up in the morning. I think we both have at five. Yeah. But I swear he must be in the bathroom for longer. You reckon? Yeah. Maybe, look, there'd be a few chin-ups, a few push-ups. I imagine he's running as well. I mm. saw him and Malinowski was running down there at Coogee mm, the yep, other day. Trying to recreate the do old you go, day watch Did you get the call out for the run or you didn't? No, not You're not one. running early yeah. morning? Yeah. Oh, no, I go running. Yeah? Yeah, well, I, I, every day. Yeah. In between shooting hoops or basketball? or Love the basketball out the back of the house, but uh, go running if I can get out early. It depends on the day, right? Mm-hmm. So it's either run, run crack door in the morning or lunchtime like it was today, uh, which is good. Clears your head, refocuses you. But look, the campaign will be great. I'm actually really looking forward to it. Uh, you know, you get, you know, I think as a government, we've done, you know, we've done a lot for the state um, and... We're in a much better place today than we were back 10 years ago. Um, there's so much happening. You asked about the unemployment rate, lowest ever. More 200,000 people in jobs, more than we were at the start of the pandemic. We've had bushfires, floods, pandemic, floods. Um, yet our state is still doing really bloody well. And I think going forward, there's really, there's, there's really good times ahead for people across our state. And my job is to make sure that we don't just deal with the economic challenges that are coming our way because they are concerning, you know, um, interest rate rises, inflation, but dealing with those problems, but making sure we, we're setting up our state for the next generation and so that our kids have better opportunities than we do. That's what, that's what drives me. I, I love making the changes and driving reform, um, whether it's stamp duty, we have the, the work we've done on pre-K education. So much, so much that we've done in 12 months alone that... I'm looking forward to just kind of prosecuting the case and then ultimately over to you guys. <laughs> Speaking of over to us, if we cast our mind back to the last state election, a lot of people seem to blame our little regional newspaper for swinging the yeah. result of yeah, it. Apparently uh, a little what? newspaper out in Queensland could swing the election. Yeah, um, just by highlighting maybe some of the racist shit that was said by the New South Wales Labor leader last time. So mm. I think we're trying to uphold that Who was blaming tradition. you? Look, a lot of people in the comments were not very happy, uh, accused us for some reason of uh, we had a responsibility and we, we swung the election just simply by talking about what Michael Daly said at that pub in the Blue Mountains. I, I would have thought that was on Michael Daly. So would we, but um, yeah, there were people in the comment section. Social media, shot the it can be a cesspit at times, um, social media. I, I, I tell you, because I, I was a campaign spokesperson for GLAD in that mm. election campaign. And when that video came out, it was interesting. So many in the media thought this was a winner for Michael Daly. It, was, it got up there with unlosable election I saw that was touted yeah. around a bit yeah. it looked like it was, mm. it was I couldn't believe snatching it. defeat from the jaws of victory mm. something like that yeah but um, you know I mean obviously he spent most of his campaign standing with his arms crossed in front of that stadium out there yeah now they're all in there in the mm. box corporate suites sipping champagne caviar yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it certainly it's, it seems as like there's not as much hype, and, the, and Labor aren't taking it as for granted as they were at the next election. So it would be an interesting 
Usually six weeks ahead, a couple of months, 45 days, that yep. kind of thing. Um, Not that anyone's counting. And, and look, we're obviously, we always try and keep it um, unbiased. We're, and we're balanced here, just regional news, trying to tell it like it is. Mm-hmm. We should maybe, maybe we should do a beer, do a beer with you and Chris just before the election. Yeah, let's do Have it. Have a podcast, bit of a debate, a couple of beers, Love to a couple do of Batuta bitters. Yeah, I'm in. Might be a bit of fun. See so how we go. Anyway, we look forward to uh, to keeping an eye on what happens. Let us know if we need to bank up any more headlines or if we need to get uh, writing on particular well, I'm stories. Hoping, I'm just hoping I don't give you guys any material. Yeah, yeah. Well, well. <laughs> but I don't think I don't think that's possible. I think you'll find I think you'll find a way. We do we do manage it uh, to come across stuff. The news cycle gives us plenty, and I'm sure it'll give us a bit between now and uh, end of March. But for today. Mr. Perite, thanks very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Thank you.